Welcome to Amusement Sparks, the theme park design show. I'm your host, Andrew Spawn, and with me today is Greg Troyan. He's the lead singer of Lipstick Generation and the host of the Lipstick panel. How's it going, Greg? Going great. It's uh, it's that perfect, uh, what's, it, what's the word, sun showers. We have sun showers here in Nashville, so it's bright yeah. and sunny, but you got a little bit of rain, so that is... That is perfect theme park weather because everyone's afraid to go because it's raining, but then there's still the sunshine and it's a drizzle, so you just you cool off and there's no lines. It's perfect. And you might even this get a rainbow. Theme park weather. <laughs> yeah, that's totally true. I'm um, looking at a rainbow right now. Isn't so that this, awesome? Yeah, this is the perfect weather to to go uh, go eat a Dole Whip. This is the this is Dole Whip <laughs> weather right here. <laughs> I love that attitude. That's awesome. Um, can you tell us a little bit about lipstick? I know that there's that it means a lot to you and that there's a lot you can talk about with it. But like, I don't know. I, I think the the band and the messages are really kind of inspirational and really on track with like the kind of amusement sparks way of doing things. But can you tell us a little bit about, about lipstick just in general? Yeah. So, uh, lipstick, uh, is, is now the, the old name of the band. I'm, I'm getting used to the, the band name change too. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just changed the band name to lipstick generation. It's a band that, um, been going uh, for the better part of a decade now and uh, started off as a very theatrical glam band. And the idea was that music was very negative uh, in the era w- in which I grew up because I grew up in the 90s. So it was a lot of, you know, grunge and new metal and then into emo. And so all my classmates in high school were depressed all the time. And I just wanted to, like, be encouraging, uplifting, and throw a good party. And so. Uh, created this super happy, optimistic, catchy rock. Uh, we did a couple albums under the name Lipstick, uh, you know, and we did we did pretty well on the local scene. Played some get big shows, but we decided it was time for a bit of a change. That we had sort of taken that era of the band as far as we could go, and so now we're, you know, we're, we have an, a new look, um, you know, a slightly different sound, slightly heavier, but. It's still it's still catchy. It's still got that sing along attitude, and it's still fun. And I would say that's sort of the goal with lipstick is to have fun, uh, put a smile on your face, make you feel good. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah, I love that music can do that thing. Cause I, you know, I grew up in the same era as you, and music was always kind of a a cool like um, moody place to escape to when you're like feeling down. But but then again, like the long term effects, I think of media. It's good to have some positivity in there, not everything. So I don't know, uh, kind of dark and uh, tragic. Uh, I think the balance tipped too far in the negative direction. Because I mean, we have some songs that are a bit more angsty. Because I think it's about being true to life. I just don't think it's true to life to be upset all the time. I think part of life is happiness, and I think there's a balance between the two. Totally. Yeah, it it was always kind of weird watching like behind the scenes footage of like, you know, bands whose lyrics are very uh, either negative or dark or whatever. And then they're just like goofing around and having a good time and eating ice cream. And it's like, this seems to not really match up. Like the fan base is like expecting, you know, so much angst and eyeliner everywhere. And then their every day is not quite like that. Um, But in addition to Lipstick Generation, which is the band, you also have the Lipstick panel. And can you tell us a little bit about that podcast? Yeah, it's a it's a weekly ranking podcast, which uh, we need to get you on, and we have plans of having Woo. you on. Uh, but it's basically um, the the main format of the show is every week we take a subject and we rank it, and then uh, we discuss the panel's collective ranking. So we usually do albums. So like, uh, the, let's say we did a ten song album. 
Uh, each panelist would vote on their songs from their favorite to least favorite, and the favorite song of the panelists would get 10 points, least favorite would get one point, and they would, uh, then we add up the, the points, uh, and then we see like where everything stacks up, and we discuss uh, from the one that got the least amount of points to the one that got the most points. And it's, uh, it's really fun. It's, you know, the reason we came up with the format is because we didn't want to necessarily just, you know, the internet loves list shows. So mm-hmm. it's, it's more interesting when there's a list. And I think it's a way to discuss things in a positive way where it doesn't always work out in a positive way, but the <laughs> idea that there's not necessarily a bad song we're talking about, just like, you know, what is the best in this collection? Right. And comparing how they stack up against each other, like, um, but yeah, it's a very compelling show in a cool format where it's like a structured way of going through and talking about every single piece equally Instead of just focusing on your favorites, you give airtime to even your least favorite, and then you have to be able to explain and express why it's your least favorite. You can't just say, I don't like that because you got to actually explain yourself. But it's a cool show, and I love the, the variety of guests. You guys cover such a, a diverse uh, range of topics, and you have such diverse panelists from episode to episode. I think that's a really cool and unique uh, part of your podcast because it's a lot of work getting guests on and you guys do it every single episode. It's pretty impressive. Yeah. So the, the trick with that is we record way in advance mm-hmm. uh, and then we, uh, we just have a backlog and we release steadily. So because, you know, we're still making music, doing shows, being active as a band, there are weeks where just, we don't get to do a podcast and scheduling with other podcasters sometimes can be like herding cats. <laughs> yep. So we just um, we build up a backlog and like, okay, sweet, we've got six episodes in the burner. We can afford to do a weekend tour, or we can afford to take off this week because we have this, or oh, someone canceled. Well, it's a good thing we have these episodes backlogged. Yeah. So totally. you know that's that's our secret. So when you listen to one and we're like talking about something like that happened two months ago, like <laughs> if something topical comes up, right. Awesome, man. Well, I really appreciate your passion on a huge variety of topics, but today you've you've come to us with a, a theme park idea based on a very important part of what I would consider modern literature, which is Chrono Trigger, the Super Nintendo game uh, produced by Square. Um, it's just an incredible game. Like Everyone ranks it amongst the top Super Nintendo games, especially people who like Japanese RPGs, but art by Akira Toriyama and just like I don't know. It's made by some amazing, amazing people. And like you guys discussed on one of your episodes, you went through the catalog, all of all of the soundtrack to that game. Like there are some some pretty heavy hitters as far as every aspect of this game's development goes. It's it's an amazing thing. And it turned out incredibly well. It's awesome. What's your relationship with with Chrono Trigger and your current feelings on it? Uh, You know, I most recently played through Chrono Trigger Probably about a year ago, uh, when we did the, our Chrono Trigger podcast for the Lipstick panel, uh, because uh, a couple of the panelists said they were going to replay Chrono Trigger for the podcast, and then I was the only one who actually did it. <laughs> so that was that was a troll on me, where everyone was like, "Yeah, we're all going to totally play Chrono Trigger," and then I was the only one who did. Oh, you poor thing! But uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, it wasn't that it wasn't bad because I got to greatly enjoy it because it's a fantastic game. Um, Chrono Trigger was a game that I was like aware of before I played it through Reputation, where I was a big fan of JRPGs as a kid, and I heard about this game that was like Final Fantasy meets Dragon Ball with time travel. 
and I was and uh, for Super Nintendo, and so I was like sold. Like that was pretty much all you needed to tell me was Dragon Ball, Final Fantasy, and time travel. Like three things totally. I'm super into. Yeah, and uh, then playing it, it was just it exceeded the expectations I had going in, which were already very high. Right. Um, the game has great momentum, a great cast, um, phenomenal gameplay. It's just, it's well paced. It's emotional. It's resonant that, you know, there's, it's, it's at the core of it. You know, I, I'm not really a gamer. Uh, I don't, I don't play video games for gameplay's sake. Usually I play it for a compelling emotional narrative. Mm -hmm. Uh, so that's why basically the only games I play are JRPGs. Every now and then I'll play like a platformer or a fighting game, but I am just so busy with all the different projects I involve myself in where I don't even watch TV. Right. Like my my entertainment, like right now, I like my main entertainment is reading. So when I'm not working on band stuff, working on the podcast, or you know working on some creative endeavor. You know, I'm reading a book. I just finished the the journal of John Woolman today, and then like him reflecting on on death and uh, you know approaching the afterlife kind of freaked me out. So I had to listen to some Katy Perry to chill me out because I'm <laughs> too heavy. I yeah. just I just need something like totally light and fluffy. Yeah, to just counteract how heavy like the end of that book was. Wow. Uh, so, um, but like I said, I'm playing games mainly for the story because. Chrono Trigger is not a book. If I want to experience the story of Chrono Trigger, I have to play the game. Right. It's just that's my option for it. And it's just it's one of the best stories ever told. It's, you know, it's just it's it's all kinds of brilliant. It's fantastic. Right. And it's it's brief enough, I think, that that everyone should be able to make time in their life, you know, at least over the course of a few months to play through the game. Like the reason I, um, you know, it refer to it as as like. Um, a piece of literature is I feel it should be respected on that same level as, you know, classic uh, novels. Like it is a, a text medium. Yeah, sure. There's a little bit of animation and stuff like that, but it's, it's all about sort of the context of what's going on and just the beauty and intricacy of the story. But it's short enough that like, I feel like you should just, if you're, you know, a high school English teacher, you should like assign this, this game to like your students read. Um, or play through, you know, in like 20 hours or whatever, because it's, it's incredible. And I feel like a lot of them would be moved by it. And the fact that Dragon Ball Z and, you know, Final Fantasy are both still so huge. I feel like a lot of them don't necessarily know Chrono Trigger though. So like, that's kind of a tragedy because I think the game's better yeah, than think... maybe anything from either of those other two series. I know that might be offensive to some people, but I think it's it's more interesting than your average Final Fantasy game and also more interesting than Dragon Ball Z, at least to me. When comparing it to other Final Fantasy games, I would say gameplay wise, oh yeah, it's certainly better than any Final Fantasy game. I think the the dual tech system alone uh kind of makes it better. Uh the fact that it's mostly a grind proof game that you can like breeze through it pretty quickly, like do a minimal amount of battles and still have a pretty have a pretty easy time. Mm -hmm. uh, the fact that the side quests, pretty much every one of them, adds to the overall story and just makes the story more interesting. I think those are all great things. But I would say, um, I think ultimately, even though um, I I like a lot, I think Seven ultimately has more emotional weight. Final Fantasy Seven, yeah, 
has more emotional weight than Chrono Trigger. Uh, but, you know, if you listen to the episode of UFF, uh, when I was a, a guest, did the Patreon episode with them, um, we, I mean, I put Chrono Trigger as, if I counted it as a Final Fantasy, it was mm-hmm. the number two, only behind seven. Sure, sure. So I, I view it very highly. And as far as, you know, JRPGs as classic literature, there are so many JRPGs that I wish were books. That I was just uh, going to say that, actually. I feel like the story, even the side plots, all tend to add to the main narrative. There's not a lot of loose threads that lead you off the main part of the story. Like, you know, you might switch points of view or, or settings for a little while, but generally the story is, is a driving plot that keeps heading straight towards the finish line the whole time to that final encounter with Lavos. It's it's really cool. It would it would make a really good novelization, I think. Oh, yeah, it, it, has, a, it has a lot of momentum. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as as far as RP as far as RPGs that would make great novels, I mean, um, you know, it would it would definitely be this one would be maybe a more of a Game of Thrones style novel where you <laughs> you keep switching character perspectives. Yeah. Uh, but I would say, you know, you know, bias. But I think my favorite RPGs would make the best books. So <laughs> I think um, seven, four, nine, tactics, and Chrono Trigger. Uh, and you know what? Add Xenogears up there. Uh, would yeah. be phenomenal books. And really, Xenogears <laughs> probably just should have been a book. Yeah, especially the uh, second disc. And by a book, I mean like 20 books. I have a question for you. What is what gives you your passion for theme parks? That's like, what inspired? Question. What was the amusement spark for this <laughs> podcast? The reason why I kind of started this show was I was listening to Sideshow Sound Theater, um, which they've been on this show before. There was an episode, uh, one of their mouse music episodes, which it's kind of interesting. It came from a musical podcast. And they're talking about um, basically the music of different rides and things like that. And they're just, it was a way of getting my brain engaged more with Disney World and Disneyland, which, you know, I kind of thought was like a thing for kids. But I don't know. I've started to notice how much magic those places bring into the real world through their theming. Because I grew up in Ohio. There's a lot of, of theme parks there, but they're mostly really what I would call an amusement park. Like, sure, there's theming. Like, each each ride has a theme. Cedar Point? Yeah, Cedar Point. And Kings Island was the one near, like, Cincinnati, which is, like, where I'm from. And, you know, they're fun, like, especially for a kid. But I just, I don't know. When I went to Disney, what was it, Disney World when I was a kid, I was like, man, this is so much cooler than Kings Island. And I didn't even get to ride more rides or anything. Like, it's not about how many rides you can do in a day. It's about the experience and the magic of it. And I think theming is super important, not just in theme parks, but in a lot of things, Um, you know, in games, which I also do some game design on the side or in TV shows and stuff like that. Like a good episode of a TV show should also be heavily themed towards that TV show. Like you can't just take an unaired episode of CSI and make it a Riverdale episode unless it's really well themed to the Riverdale canon. So I don't know. There's something magical and kind of nerdy about theming that's uh, really thoughtful and magical and and really fun. And I don't know, There's it's very pure to me. So that's kind of where the, the show came from, was exploring fandoms and how can we bring these these fandoms or geekdoms into the real world. And I mean, I know it's all hypothetical, so it's not in the real world, but that was the, the idea of the show. Did you ever go to Fusion? 
It was no. like a sushi version of Subway. The oh, place was rad. Yes. Yeah, they have those in uh, Columbus, too. They've got them in a couple of places in Ohio. Yeah, they've got them in Columbus. They've got them in Dayton. Yeah. That needs to spread. Yeah, I know. Spread. It does need to spread. Get it's pretty good. peanut butter and jelly sushi roll everywhere in this nation. <laughs> yeah, Fusion's pretty cool. Absolutely. All right. Uh, <laughs> All so right. definitely going to add uh, Fusion into this Chrono Trigger Park. Uh, getting us ba- getting us back onto the topic. So, yeah. <laughs> Every park needs food, right? As far as uh, myself and amusement parks, so I'm not I'm not a big amusement park guy in general. Mm-hmm. Um, where I don't like coasters, and uh, I'm not about the rides, but I'm about experiencing the atmosphere and walking into different worlds, which. You know, I think that's the big appeal of theme parks for me. So if I just go to a generic amusement park, and like it'll be fine, but that's not really what I'm about. That's why, you know, I love Disney and you know Epcot and Islands of Adventure, where you're just you're walking into another world. And I think that's the big appeal of theme parks for me over just amusement parks, where it's like, okay, yeah, this is a coaster, this is a water ride. And, you know, there's just the, you know, attractions without a theme. But I think, yeah, I need, I need a little gimmick to really, to really sell me on it. So a lot of, you know, the main um, mechanism for plot delivery in this game is the time travel piece. So I figured the most logical way to lay out the theme park, because we can't physically make our our guests go through time, is to have different time lands or, you know, different time zones, if you will, uh, to represent the different eras that you travel to in the game. But uh, that's kind of the same idea you had, right? Yeah, so uh, I think you and I... Like I, I sent you my notes on what I thought the park should be, but my sort of template for this was Islands of Adventure by Universal, mm-hmm. which I think in terms of park setup is is brilliant, where it's basically just like, what if Epcot was flashier? Is basically all Islands of Adventure is yeah. when you think about it. Um, but uh, what I thought would be cool is like, you know, you have um, all the different uh, times going around in a circle, but then uh, at the center of the park would be the the end of time and that would let you like that section would maybe be just like gift shops and restaurants but that could allow you to get to the other parks faster like a shortcut yeah. so rather than islands of adventure where you have to walk around the giant circle you can always just like cut through the end of time if you wanted to cool and, I, uh, I do like the idea of of oh, sorry the idea of the new game plus which was like kind of an innovation from this game where after you beat the game you go back through again and you can explore it in different routes and everything but like setting up the park like that it's a cool idea if you get tired of this area you're in go through the end of time and you can jump back to wherever you want to because um, we already have the time travel mechanism that whole idea of new game plus like maybe you'd have enough time in the day to go to your favorite part of the park a few different times instead of just once. And then you have to go through a bunch of them that maybe you're not personally as crazy about. You can always, you can always change your direction, which is almost one of the, you know, uh, morals of the game or something. 
Yeah, because, like, you know, when you're at Islands of Adventure, like, shoot, I'm at Jurassic Park, but I want to get over to Marvel, and it's all the way on the other side. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you have to, you know, if there was just a nice little shortcut diagonal through, that'd be so convenient. So, really, you know, that's one of the the perks we have with the setup of this park. And also, um, I I was, uh, I wrote this in my notes, the the Epoch is the monorail that goes around the park. That's great. So, the, uh, the... Flying time machine. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's going to be your little monorail, so you can just cruise around that to get to different seconds. Because it's a theme park; it needs a monorail. It sure does, and that makes a lot of sense thematically. And that's more fun than just having a monorail, you know. I also am obsessed with almost every vehicle Akira Toriyama's ever designed, so I'm definitely happy to have more representation of those vehicles in our park. Yeah. So my like a uh, fake canon storyline I came up with in my head is um, so this is like. 15 years in the future, um, Detective Pikachu blows up at the box office <laughs> as a massive success, and so everyone starts making video game movies, and Disney's like, you know what, Square Enix, we're just going to buy you because we've already worked with you on Kingdom Hearts, you're ours yeah. now. So Disney owns Square Enix in most of the world, and they start <laughs> making Final Fantasy movies, and they do really well at the box office, and then they do Chrono Trigger, and everyone thinks Chrono Trigger's not going to work, it's too niche. And then they're like, remember Guardians of the Galaxy when you said that was too niche? Yeah. And so Chrono Trigger becomes the successful movie of all time. Um, biggest film series of all time where Disney's like, we have to do an entire park committed to just Chrono Trigger. Wow. So that's why you have Dole Whips at Chrono Trigger Park <laughs> because it's a Disney park. Oh, Dole man. Whips, Dole yeah. Whips and Turkey Legs as far as the eye can see at the Chrono Trigger Park. That is a super cool idea. you got to wow. have the Dole Whips. So that, yeah, that's oh, the totally. narrative as to why this park has dole whips and turkey legs. Not that it couldn't just happen on its own, right? But, but that, that's what I have in my head as to why. A, there's a canon <laughs> explanation for why those foods are available. No, that'd be great yeah. having uh, the Disney engineers and you know their experience on our side would be super helpful. And you know, this is our first time working with Disney. We, we did the uh, Disney Afternoon theme park, but we didn't actually have their permission for that one. So good, yeah, glad Disney's Disney finally on board. Shit. And, uh, you know, there was, um, in, in Final Fantasy VII, the movie, uh, like, the characters ate at Fusion in the post credit scene. So that's <laughs> why Fusion got the part, because it became, like, a big Disney thing. So every, everything's, t- it's all canon, guys. This is all, it all checks out. Don't oh, question it. Excellent. I, yeah, that, that works for me. Um, <laughs> the main, uh, maybe the first area you visit should be kind of the Millennial Fair. Is that what you were picturing? That's what I was picturing because I think it makes sense to start in the home time that you start in Chrono Trigger. Yeah. And plus, I think it's a very welcoming opening to a theme park because it's very much like, you know, it's a fair, it's a festival. Um, You know, the thing I picture is like Guardia Castle is like Disney Castle Mm -hmm. where, you know, you see it in the background, but you can't really go to it. Cool. Uh, But I think what's cool, Guardia Castle it's in the background for both 1000 AD and 600 AD. Mm-hmm. So the way that this park is up, you can see it in both times cool. uh, is what, what I thought would be a cool feature of like tying those times together. It's like, Oh yeah, there's Guardia castle. That sounds awesome. And we could set it up, you know, and maybe we could plant the seeds during the film um, of kind of this other visual language, because this would be the, the film and the park would be, from a, a more human centric perspective, not little sprites on the super Nintendo. So like, it'd be cool if you had a way of, of visually showing, um, the future and the past. So maybe, you know, there's, 
like basically an, an in-canon reason for why you can see things from another era, such as, like you said, the castle, or when you're at the castle, you can look out and see things from other times. Um, it'd be kind of cool to like set that up as a, a way of, I don't know, maybe a viewer screen or some kind of rift that always tends to solve problems like this. I'd maybe have it, because I, I, I think I would like the idea of really having the separation between the times where yeah. you can't see the stuff from the other time so it doesn't break the immersion. But cool. I think having just Guardia Castle overlapping mm-hmm. uh, would work because it actually is canon in both times. It makes sense. Yeah. Would you want it to be And in... it also, that, that's like, the, I think, a fun, like, Easter egg for the part. Like, you can see Guardia Castle from here, too. And I think that would be exciting because when you go to the other times, you notice you don't see anything else from the other times. But that would be like the one thing that is in multiple sections, and I think that would make it special, rather than being able to like, oh, you can see twenty three hundred A.D. from here if you just look high enough. Right. But I think I think that would just be a cool thing because it it works with the time travel theme, but also gives like the park that Disney Castle centerpiece. Right. That's yeah. That sounds beautiful. I love that idea. That's awesome. And when you, you know, you go through the uh, sort of millennial fair area at the beginning, we could have like a food stall where the food's just sitting out <laughs> and there's no one like manning the counter and you can just kind of take the food, no problem. Um, but then, you know, we'll be watching you. <laughs> there might uh, be see, future I, consequences. I thought about that. The logistics are just too difficult and, you know, <laughs> Disney wants to make money. Yeah, that's um, true. Yeah, okay, that's a good point. And we don't have to... Uh, make everyone take the role of Chrono. You know, each each right. person walking through the park could could be taking the role of themselves. I mean, um, our our epoch, our epic, can can fit a lot more people than theirs could. So our story's going to oh, yeah. be a little bit different. You know, it's it's almost like you're kind of retracing Chrono's footsteps, but you are not Chrono, you know, and you can go yeah. to the park the different uh, times in whatever order you want to. So the story's going to be a little different, although the setting is the same. So yeah, we don't have to yeah, make them do everything. What I to do is like I really try to think, you know, I gotta make this park as realistic as possible, even though this won't happen. You know, I came with the canon <laughs> and why they got the budget for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so so like even though like conceptually, yes, being able to just steal lunch is awesome. Right. I wanted to like, make a park that could theoretically exist. Yeah, that fair enough. Goal. That's a good point. I appreciate uh, uh, your effort that you put into that. <laughs> So, yeah, I guess uh, we'll start with Millennial Fair. So, you know, what I thought, uh, fair, you can have a Ferris wheel easily. Mm. Uh, you know, nice light start to your park day. I was thinking you could have, a, like, a spinning teacup ride that's some sort of invention by Luca. So they don't look like teacups, but they look like kind of, like, robot things. And Cool. You know, you could maybe have, like, Luca and Gatto, like, walking around in 1000 AD saying hi to people. Because, yep. uh, you know, you got to have your mascot characters. You'd have Gato going on taking pictures for people. Um, and, and I was thinking you could have, like, a, a strength game where there's maybe, um, like, uh, you know, you hit the hammer and Gato is hanging out by the hammer. Like, oh, you know, that's is that as hard as you can hit it? And uh, I was thinking, you uh, you know, you got to have shows, not just uh, rides. So I think you could do uh, Norstein Beckler doing a magic show. 
Uh, I think you could have oh. some fun visuals with the, you know, the, you could have like maybe the room be dark and the person wearing an all black outfit, but having like the, the face lit up and like, uh, like black light to light up the gloves yeah. to give the effect that he's floating around and just like have all kinds of like lasers and like people popping out of trap doors and stuff. I think that could be like a, a really fun, entertaining show in that section of the park. Yeah, I feel like this is probably the most theme parky part of the theme park. You know, like there's so many, so much room for carnival games and for little shops and little like attractions. This is like a very family friendly part, I feel. But yeah, it'd be very yeah, inviting. It's, it's a nice light start to the day. Totally. Uh, it, you know, I, I I came up with a lot of notes. So, like, do you have anything you wanted to add to 1000 AD? I don't think so particularly. I, I would just like the vibe and kind of taking in the music and uh, music's of course going to be a big part of the whole theme park, but I don't know. It's just a, it's a cool way to start the game and to start the theme park where you, they're not, there hasn't been really a call to action yet. And you're just kind of exploring at your own pace and taking in this really wonderful and charming space. So like, I think this is a, a, a cool place where the whole family will still want to be together during their visit, and they're just kind of hanging out and taking it all in and kind of getting warmed up, sort of like you are in the game, where you're you know, getting used to the world and starting to figure things out before anything really happens that's all that crazy. One of the things I'm trying to do is uh, with each section, I'm trying to make it somewhat immersive where it's not like you're exploring the entire world map. Because mm-hmm. I think that would just make the park too bloated. So I'm kind of focusing on just like specific sections of the individual worlds mm-hmm. or cramming them together in a way that that makes sense. So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump over to, to 600 AD. The way that I have it set up there is uh, you have uh, Truce Village, Xenan Bridge, uh, but then rather than it leading to, to Poor, I would have it lead to Magus's Castle. Just tighten up 600 AD, where it's not necessarily you know canon to way the the game and the world map is set up, mm-hmm. but it would make it feel like a like a theme park that makes sense. Yeah just really tighten it up. So, you know, there's obviously there'd be like a medieval pub themed restaurant here. Uh, you know, obviously Guardia Castle still in the background. I'd have a stunt show with the Xenan Bridge. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you could have a lot of cool stuff with that with Zombor, uh, Chrono, Frog, and, you know, other party members fighting on the bridge. Cool. Since there's water under the bridge, you could probably make it like a water show to an extent. Mm-hmm. So have like some some jet skis and maybe, you know, have them, uh, I don't know what you would maybe have them, maybe have the jet skis be the epoch or something, <laughs> uh, you know, like, oh, transform into a water epoch or, or something, but you gotta have, you gotta have a water jet ski thing happen at some point. Yeah. But I think just like, you know, all kinds of cool flips and stuff. I, I think, I think that'd be a fun thing. And as far as rides here, I'd have uh, three coasters. You'd have a green coaster, a pink coaster, and a blue coaster. You know, Ozzy, Flea, and Slash. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you'd have like, these, these dueling coasters, kind of like how they had the dueling coasters at the red one and the blue one at Universal. Mm-hmm. So up the ante to three coasters. Cool. And then uh, Magus's Castle, 
would be like um, a dark ride, kind of like Haunted Mansion or Pirates of the Caribbean or Snow White, mm-hmm. where it's just this dark, immersive ride, probably a mixture of animatronics and screens. Uh, you know, probably probably one of the more intense uh, dark rides in the park where there's lots of ups and downs, you know, probably don't want to go on it right after eating lunch. <laughs> uh, you know, there'd be bats and monsters. And because you remember how huge that castle is. So just yeah. like going through different traps. Uh, so that would be a little bit of a spookier ride. Cool. Maybe end with like battling Magus in the ride and barely escaping the castle. Yeah. And like, whew, we got out of there just in time. I, I like the uh, sort of language of of the combat being the roller coaster. Like that's not really something we've done in such a like one-to-one way before on this show, but I think it's a really cool idea because we can't actually have the part guests do combat. You know, we've got other ways we could simulate combat through, you know, like a card game or through VR or AR or something. But I kind of like the idea of just, you know, the, the dance of the combat is the action of the roller coaster. And like, that's pretty much it. You know, if you want to fight this enemy, go on this coaster, that sort of thing. And you can have them represent the characteristics of those, of those personas. I think that's a really cool idea. Like giving them the theming that's appropriate for each character and the correct, you know, like sound effects and color schemes and all that kind of thing. That's really cool. I like that. Thank you. Well, like the Aussie flea and slash, those are like just, those are just colored coasters. So there's not really much theme other than just like, this is pink cause flea. Right. But I think the, the Magus castle is kind of like, um, a combination of like the snow white ride, but also the Spider-Man ride where, you know, Spider-Man comes in to fight the bad guys and the, the cart is shaking. And so like, we're like a bystander in the battle, just trying to escape. Yeah. So that's kind of how I figured the, the Magus ride would be. Cool. Yeah, I like that. Um, let's see, 600 AD. What else would you want to include in that era? I mean, I'm, I'm pretty satisfied with it. What I try to do is have like at least three or four attractions per era, mm-hmm. uh, to balance out the park. And yeah. I mean, we've got three coasters, a stunt show, a dark ride, pub themed restaurant. Um, so. I feel like that's a pretty solid amount of stuff there. You'd have yeah. Frog walking around, waving to people. He's um, a great character. So, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what else you'd really need. Mm-hmm. I think you could do like a Cyrus Grave thing uh, if you were adding more stuff there. But I think because you already have Magus's castle, you don't need it. You've already got like the dark, creepy thing there. Uh-huh. So I would say 600 AD is probably good cool. unless like the park is really expanding then maybe you could have like a a cyrus's grave like um uh you know that could be maybe like uh the the alien encounter ride where you're just like sit down and there's like a ghost popping out and freaking you out so maybe something like that but i think that sounds i think that'd be like after the park had been around for a while this is initial open sure right on Uh, 12,000 BC, I feel like you want um, to hang out in Zeal. Uh, we could do, you know, the snowy wasteland, but I think that would be kind of hard to do. Sure. Um, and also less interesting. Mm-hmm. Zeal is one of the more unique locations in fiction. Right. Where 
Well, it's obviously based on Atlantis, but it really has its own unique vibe. And so I think walking around, um, you know, there'd probably be, you know, cool restaurants, cool shops there. Um, but as far as like rides, there's, there's, you know, so many things you can work with. So I think the undersea palace, you know, make that, make that a water ride, like take that undersea aspect Mm -hmm. and like you're, you're going through it, but you're getting wet, you're getting splashed but it would be really unique visuals for a splash ride because you see all this like technology and these glowing walls and stuff. And I think that undersea palace music would just, uh, you know, playing throughout the ride and you'd probably have like, you know, some, some animatronics. So maybe kind of like the Popeye ride where you'd Mm -hmm. have like some animatronics hanging out. But I think just like that atmosphere and like combination of tech and water Mm -hmm. is, you know, something you, you don't really see and it would make it really unique and, Actually, pretty easy to do because you just get black walls and like lines through the black walls that glow different colors. Right. Boom. Yeah, that doesn't sound but that complicated. Gives you that undersea palace experience. You can mm-hmm. see like the mammon machine down there and stuff. Maybe hear like the lavos scream right at the end, and oh. then there's a drop. Cool. So like you think, like you see like <laughs> lavos right at the end. Um, That's neat. Like uh, in the Jurassic Park ride, when you see the T Rex at the end, he's growling. And you're like, oh, no, it's Lavos, and his mouth is opening up, and then there's the drop, splash. That's cool. I, I was thinking about um, when you are talking about the bridge stunt show back in 600 AD, I was like, what if that was like a some kind of water ride, you know, either like a log flume or like a lazy river type thing? It'd be kind of interesting. I don't know if we want to go with this idea, but if we had like a water ride that went through a couple spots. Yeah, because then you could just kind of make this, um, the undersea palace part, sort of a part of that same water attraction. You're kind of going through the like waters of time or something. We need a better name, but it'd be kind of cool to, to go through multiple time periods on the same attraction, you know, at least have one attraction that does that. That'd be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So yeah, back to 12,000 BC. So yeah, uh, black omen. I would just make a black roller coaster mm-hmm. just cause you know, uh, it realistic theme parks. A lot of them just have like a coaster and we stuck a name on it. Right. So, you know, does this guy save a little bit of cash, but the black omen, that would be like the epic roller coaster. Like it's the fastest, tallest roller coaster ever until one beats it out like three years later. <laughs> so that's like the one that the coaster guys are like, man, I went on the black omen. Yeah. It's a sweet name too. You know, that's the one for the coaster lovers. Yeah, I'm not I'm not a coaster guy, but that's like the big coaster for coaster people. The people who want to ride in the fastest, most epic coasters like those people. Mm-hmm. I don't get it. Um, never been my thing, but here's a ride for you. Cool. Yeah, we got to have one of those. Something to draw people in from out of state, you know? <laughs> yeah, so like the, you know, Aussie Flea and Slash, those are more like standard like coasters. Like they're, 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 they're epic, but they're not like, Cedar Point epic coaster. Yeah. So then I have a uh, Dalton's Aerial Adventure. Uh, this would be uh, probably I think you know I I kind of have some wiggle room for this ride. Mm-hmm. So I'm not really set on whether or not it's one of those just like rides where there's a bunch of um, planes on sticks that raise in the air and just go in a circle, um, or if it's um, just one of those rides where you just you you know go up really high and do a drop. Uh, I just know I want a Dalton aerial adventure ride of some kind, mm-hmm. and I'm open to what it is. <laughs> right, we need to be aware of like uh, making sure the park guests don't see the other time periods. 
you know, unless we want them to for specific parts. So I don't know. We could do it with um, enclosed vehicles, but that's, I don't know if I've ever been on an aerial ride that's enclosed. It would just feel like you're in an elevator, I think. But then again, that might be kind of cool if it's like just a roller coaster, but you're completely basically blindfolded. You'd have no idea which way the coaster's going to turn next. Like, wow, that's a crazy idea. The next one I've got is a little bit more of a, a trippy one. It'd be a, a screen ride called uh, Shala's Dream, where it's, I think this would be like the weird artsy ride cool. where like you're traveling through the, the darkness beyond time and like vortexes and all these crazy psychedelic visuals. And it's just like diving inside uh, Shala's mind as she's like merging with the dream devourer yeah. and just like all these weird little flashbacks where like, so she will, she'll just, like see Janice and say, you know, one of you will perish. And then like, there'll be like a screen flash. So this is like, you know, you're, on a ride it's screens it's indoors but this is just like the weird artistic ride that people say revolutionized rides forever and that rides <laughs> can arts wow yeah i was picturing it as like a, a 4d theater or like you know aliens and alien encounters type thing where you're like in a theater and like experiencing all this stuff because i do feel like there needs to be a lot of visual control over like what the guests are, are seeing and also what they're hearing too to have like you know, audio clips of different visions and different dreams. And wow, that sounds like a super cool idea. I like the artsy thing of like doing a lot of really cool colors, a lot of, um, I don't know, really, really fascinating visual trickery, that kind of stuff. Have you ever heard of Meow Wolf before? I have not heard of Meow Wolf. So they, they make these really cool like art theme parks basically like they don't really have rides but it's things you walk through and like basically art exhibits oh, that kind yes, of involved. yes 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 yeah like it'd be really yeah, cool to do something kind of like that where it's just just gorgeous like you said a totally like artistic experience but it also is telling a specific story like from a video game you know from the world that we're exploring but it would just have like a totally different art style and different you know it's it's not the reality of the game so we we have a lot more flexibility to do kind of trippier crazier stuff like that sounds sweet that sounds amazing yeah the idea behind it would be like trying to dive into uh shala's dreams to rescue her from the the dream devourer but ultimately being unsuccessful so like it ends on a somber note mm-hmm. but the thing is it's still a ride so there's still movement Emotion, yeah. you're still experiencing so it's still like a fun ride uh-huh. but it's also like dark trip at yeah. the same time. I think that would make it just something really unique. Yeah, you, you could do it as like a, a coaster with a big drop, like either even just like a drop tower type thing where you're, you're you know, viewing this, this experience and there's, you know, colors and lights and all kinds of cool stuff going on as you're like slowly rising. And then like you drop and like, I don't know if that signifies whatever. I mean, it's art. You can interpret it how you want to, but there's like a huge, like pretty scary drop at the end. And you're like, what, what just happened? Like, what was the end of that? Um, and I don't know, that'd be cool to, to include the, the kind of 4d experience of like, you know, something you're watching, but also move your body around too, like a roller coaster. That's it's a cool hybrid. Could be awesome. Yeah. I, th- I think that would just, it would like, there would be like s- scholarly articles about that. <laughs> right? I, yeah. I like how different and, that like, is too. about whether or not it's like 
good for kids or too scary and what it means. And because I think an important part of what I feel the experience should be with that ride is there should be like parts where it's very fast and uh-huh. parts where it's very slow where like all of a sudden you're lulled into a false sense of security. Mm-hmm. And so like, I, I think just like it should be like constantly shifting and unexpected and uncomfortable. Beautiful. That sounds cool, man. I, I would write a scholarly article about that experience. Yeah, that's all I've got for twelve thousand BC. Uh, like I said, I I kind of I skipped over like Mount Woe and skipped over you know the the Iceland stuff, you know the land of ice and snow, just because I you know trying to keep it in, in a way that like you know focus on one central location from each time. Right. And and we're making a theme park of it. You know, it's not like we're making a one-to-one representation. So that's going to happen. But the only other thing I keep wanting to go into is like more kind of story-based things. But then again, we don't know the, the story of the individual people going through the park. Like there's a part of me that wants to make it more um, true to sort of the story and the like literary aspects of the game where the characters are you know, the, the park guests are experiencing this story or like learning to tell their own story or whatever, which is something we've done on some, some of our theme parks in the past, but I don't know. It also works to do more of a attractions based experience because we have that kind of new game plus feature, you know, like when you get to the end, you can go back to other areas and maybe it's possible that we'd want to give uh, people who have been through this area multiple times uh, slightly different experience. Like maybe they get to actually go through part of the uh, undersea palace. Like, you know, if, if you can see it under the water during the water attraction, it'd be really cool if then later, you know, in your day or your second or third day to the park, you find a way of actually getting into the palace and you can like see people walking around under there. Like how the heck do they get down there? That's so cool. And you won't know for like a while, you know, you have to actually do some investigation and learning how to find your way into this sort of secret entrance to like get around these, these like, I don't know, having, um, something for people who have been there already, I think would be cool, especially with that time travel motif where I, we, you go back to the second think time. Of that it, might work with that. So let's hear it. I think, so I, I would say for the sake of it being a theme park, I would try not to have a story just because part of a theme park is the flexibility to sort of go and do whatever. Yeah. So I try to treat the individual rides as the storytelling mechanisms for the rides that have stories for the screen rides. Right. Uh, just because I think trying to make a narrative throughout the whole park you know, at least upon launch in 2030, when this park comes out, it's too <laughs> difficult to do. Uh, theme parks aren't ready for that by the year 2030. We have Dole Whips. That's good enough. But, <laughs> um, you know, just the idea I came up with quickly, um, special glasses uh, that say New Game Plus on them. And then when you wear them on rides, they'll show like hidden messages that you can only see with the glasses, like mm-hmm. something will light up. Yeah, that'd be cool. The theming of the little, you know, they could be little goggles or they could be like sunglasses or those, um, those like rainbow prism spectacles from the game. Yeah. I don't know, it'd be, specs. Yeah. It just, I mean, it's gotta be something that, that Luca invented that we find at some point in our journey. And then you can go back to other parts of the park and use that. That would totally work. Or even something as simple as like a little key card that gives you access to a new area that you wouldn't have noticed on your first time through anyway, that, you know, just like an incentive to go back on the new game plus, you know, on your second time through the park in the same day or on the next day, just a little something extra, whether or not it's, you know, anything too intense, it might just be a different perspective on, on looking at stuff. Um, but yeah, 
I like I that. It might like be, uh, you know, for as far as New Game Plus goes, maybe you have, like, um, uh, a point card. Uh-huh. Of, like, uh, going to different attractions, and once you go on the attraction, you get a point card. And uh, then, like, if you hit all the attractions, which Disney has figured out it's impossible to do in one day, but <laughs> if you hit all the attractions, which means you have to come back more than one day, you get discounts uh-huh. at the gift shop for New Game Plus. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Wow. So there, that's, how, that's how you get the incentive to come back multiple days mm-hmm. and to keep doing the rides. You get those new game plus points. Cool. I like that. And maybe, uh, oh, here's what you do. New game plus. So you get the new game plus points for going on the rides over and over again. Mm-hmm. You can spend them at either the gift shop or fast pass lane. So new game plus is your fast pass lane. You, you get enough new game plus points, which you can buy or get from doing the rides uh-huh. and games. Wow. And then you can get uh, discounts or use the points for fast pass. But then once you use them up, you have to earn more new game plus points. I like the idea of the fast pass thing being, it's like you're going back and reliving the same, same moment over again. Like you can kind of fast forward through it a little bit. Um, but maybe you, you lose out on some of the finer details, but you already saw those your first time through anyway. So like the long queues through the park to get on an attraction hopefully we'll have some really cool stuff to look at, you know, some beautiful scenery from that time, that era, or if not scenery, then we could at least put up some like art on the walls, or we could tell a story like through the, through either, you know, like hieroglyphics or or whatever kind of text on the wall. So when you're waiting in line, you're taking in parts of the world and like finding those little minute details. And then the second time you come through, you get to kind of breeze through and go through the fast pass lane because you've already been here you know, in your story, in canon, this is your second time to this time period, so you can kind of breeze through it a little bit. You're already super familiar with the the fine details. So that satisfies not only my, like, commercial side, but also the kind of more artistic side of, like, why is this happening? So because 65 million BC is like kind of sparse, mm-hmm. I just decided to make it just a general, like instead of basing it off, um, like we're basing this off, you know, zeal specifically, I based it off just the general world map because it's pretty easy to have just a prehistoric area. Yeah. Here's the prehistoric area. You know, you can have a, a, a restaurant that's themed like Ayla's village. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could probably have like a, a show there where like, you know, you have the dancers, fire dancing, um, I would say, uh, you know, we'd have a play area in this section. Mm-hmm. So kind of like how the Jurassic Park world at Universal has a play area, there'd be uh, the forest maze would be a play area for kids. Cool. So, you know, just let the kids run around, exert some energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as a, a ride, uh, pro- you know, I'd have another aerial ride here. They'd look like dactyls. Yes. Because so, <laughs> you got, got to have the dactyl ride. Yeah, as much dinosaur stuff as possible, I'd say. Like, this is our chance to do it, right? We might as well do some. That's cool. And then uh, Tyranno Lair. That would be um, more of an animatronic ride. Mm-hmm. So you're going through, like, the big castle, but you're seeing all the dinosaur robots. Cool. Well, that's awesome. So th- that one wouldn't be a coaster. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would just be just like, hey, here's a here's a cool, you know, on the rails ride with all the dinosaur robots. Yeah, that's awesome. Oh man, 
yeah, I, I definitely love the idea of the dinosaur thing and, and the prehistory prehistory area is just really pretty too. So like this could be a good place to just have some, some nice scenery and kind of have like almost a break in your day where there's yeah, not a there's ton like of coasters a in the background. Yeah. Yeah. There's not like lots a, of turkey legs here, but they'd call them dinosaur legs. <laughs> yep. The, the, it's just like a simpler time, you know, there's not as much technology, not as many like roller coasters going on. Um, but yeah, a nice place to kind of sit and like hang out and eat your lunch. And there's probably like a cool waterfall or something. And there you go. Yeah. I think that I like that. I like it being kind of, kind of simple there. You could also do a drop ride here pretty easily where, um, because you know, in the game they drop from the, from the mountain to the ground. So you like, you could have like the mountain ride where you go up the mountain and then drop. Yeah. So that'd be a pretty easy ride and faithful to the game. So Add another ride there. So there you go. We got three rides and a play area. Golden. Perfect. Awesome. Get back on the monorail. <laughs> yeah, we're still we're circling around. Uh, so the way I would imagine going between each section, yeah, there'd be um like uh, a bridge, but the bridge would look like the uh, the gates. So they'd be like when sure. you walk on them, they'd be like all blue and vortexy and move. Yeah. And that could be done with, and, with projections, like, you know, you kind of walk through the projection. On, there's, like, maybe a white wall being projected upon. You walk to it, and then you just turn right, and it's like, oh, now you get on the, the epoch. That'd be cool. I'm saying there's there's two options for getting to different parts of the park, so, yeah. or rather three. Okay. Skip through the end of time. Mm-hmm. You can ride the epoch monorail, or you can walk bridges, because, like, on... Oh, I um, see. On Adventure, you walk the different sections mm-hmm. so if you don't want to take the epoch because the lines are long or you don't feel like taking the monorail you would walk on the gates cool to the next section so now we're at uh, we're at 2300 AD you know we're we're going around yeah so this would be another one I'd base on the world map. Okay. So that you know, uh, just because I think if you just the there's enough individual places you would want to go, where if you just like made it were all in one dome, it wouldn't work as well. Mm-hmm. So like, you've got like you know something that looks barren and desolate, but you've got some cool rides here. There'd be a, a bike chase ride. Uh, that'd be <laughs> another screen ride where you get on a motorcycle and race Johnny. Yeah. What an interesting character. You think he'd be an animatronic or a... I guess no, they'd have CG. to be... Oh, CG, this would okay. be a screen ride just because uh, there'd be a lot of room for, like, making it a real wild and crazy bike chase. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you're on, like, a, a virtual motorcycle. Cool. You know, a whole... So, uh, not a virtual motorcycle, but you know, you know what I mean? You're on, like, a motorcycle-looking look, object on this screen ride. Right. Uh, Death Peak, I wrote in the notes here as a drop ride, uh, but then we did that in 65 million BC. So whatever, there is some mountain drop ride at some point here, mm-hmm. uh, either in 65 million or 2300, whichever one needs more attractions. Yeah. Uh, Proto Dome, I put as an indoor ride, uh, so another on the tracks ride. Uh, so you're going through the dome, basically riding on the co- conveyor belt, but instead of dinosaurs. It's robots. It's yeah. all the robots. Sweet. So that's just a uh, fun on the rails ride. And then um, 
underground sewer. You got another water ride rafting around. You got crawly and all kinds of creepy monsters in the sewer. So it's a cool. you know it's a dark water ride again, but a different aesthetic mm-hmm. than the um, than the undersea palace, which is ironically more brightly lit. Than <laughs> I have this like weird fascination with water, but I think I think the more water attractions the better. Like maybe instead of one interconnected one, they should just be separate little little water rides. Like those are so so nice and so like cool. It's a nice like break from the day and get out of the sunlight. I think the more the better. That's awesome. And we've got them in a few different sections. So yeah. it's you get so there's they're they're spaced out enough for like, oh I want to go on another water ride. Oh sweet, we're at another one. Yeah. Oh yeah, I would totally do every That's single one. That's kind of what you first got like Jurassic Park, and then a couple worlds later you got uh, Popeye. So right. they, you know they space out the water rides too. So it's so yeah, know, there's this is precedent. Looking like a real theme park, <laughs> right? I like the uh, the change in tone, you know, from one time period to the other. So I'm always a, a fan of having some kind of quieter spaces where you can just kind of take in the the ambiance. Not that everyone would want to spend their whole vacation in 2300 AD, but it's just cool to, to take in the differences and see the robots in action. And especially picturing this from like a kid's perspective, like during the same day you get to go to like sort of a fantasy area, dinosaur area, you know, the like robot future. Like, I don't know. There's so much cool stuff, even for someone who has no clue about the story of the game that's going on. Just going to all these different lands is really cool. Like that's kind of why Islands of Adventure and so many different theme parks across the world makes sense is it's fun to visit these different different time periods and i don't know the better the theming is i think the more enjoyable that experience will be and you know park guests will keep coming back so making sure that the music's on point you know the ground doesn't just look like concrete it actually looks thematic like all those little details are things i'm excited about for all these areas um but yeah specifically for 2300 i don't think i have too much more um to add on Maybe some cameos from from the characters, which are something we can oh, yeah, add throughout the park. There's cam- they, all the sections just assume cameos, right? Just just assume there's there's people walking around. You just gotta assume that. <laughs> So we're going to walk through the end of time. We're going to go to 1999 last. Uh, let's go to 1020 AD. Yeah. So uh, did you play Chrono Cross? I played it a bit, um, but it was in like sixth grade or maybe seventh grade. So I don't really remember it too well. I've played Chrono Cross way before I ever played Chrono Trigger. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But you remember, okay, uh, do you remember Termina? It's like the second town you go to. It's like the port city. Yes. All the white buildings. I was going to say the name sounds so familiar. Yeah, no, I do. Definitely. So this would be like, hey, you're at a port city. So this is like a big water-themed section of the park. So there's uh, a lot of restaurants here. It's very lively. This section isn't as... um, this is like the almost like a city, so it's like a little bit of an escape for the adults, mm-hmm. where it's a little bit more mature feeling and more like a city than just like here's dinosaurs. But there's still plenty of attractions here. Yeah, it's a super gorgeous area too. Like this is where I would want to spend my lunch lunch time, you know. Yeah, obviously there's going to be other seafood restaurants here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there'd be a Quicha Rapid Adventure, where. Uh, what I would picture for this ride is that this is going to be an outdoor ride, 
outdoor water ride as opposed to the other ones which have been you know indoors and very dark Mm -hmm. so this is going to be a nice fun outdoor water ride and it's going to be mostly just like start off as just like a fun adventure and then the rap you know just like very light then the rapids get a little bit crazy and then it takes you into the dead sea in chrono trigger where like you know time is frozen and stuff and then you get all these cool visuals and you get the different things from different time areas uh eras entering in like in chrono cross so that'd be your way of getting the different sections of the park in there sort of tying things together and you know you go past uh, you maybe would in the rapid ride go through chronopolis which is like this building that exists outside of time and uh like you would go through that a little bit and then at the end of it you know go back to port and be like well that was a crazy adventure cool but, like it would start off what seems like a normal just like fun rapids ride and then get a little bit weird at the end i think that'd be really fun that's awesome is is this the same town that has the beach from like the opening cinematic from that game no but i stuck that beach in like i'm kind of cramming stuff together okay where there's a there's a so cramming the section together i would cram the beach in the town yeah because that's an iconic beach super cool you get the beach and uh then you get like a lazy river there yeah. So get a beach, get a lazy river. Um, awesome. I would also have a, a performance where there's the rock star Nikki and the dancer Mickey. So that's just a <laughs> there in Terma. So there'd be a chance for a show there. So cool. like a fun music and dance show. Mm-hmm. And then I'd have a Viper Manor be a, another dark ride, kind of like Haunted Mansion. But uh, since Viper Manor is in Chrono Cross and Radical Dreamers, I'd have Viper Manor be based on radical dreamers and just like base it on that story so there's one attraction that represents radical dreamers so the rest of it is chrono cross uh-huh. but then you have the one thing that's like a radical dreamers ride cool and so radical dreamers i've never played but can you tell us a little bit more about that that game um yeah it's like a, a choose your own adventure video game for the super nintendo huh basically uh never you know came out in the west um I just watched a playthrough on YouTube, mm-hmm. like two hours long. It's basically just like reading the book. Cool, but it's That's set what it is. in the same same time or in a thousand twenty, but in the same universe as Chrono Trigger. Alternate timeline. Cool. So it's a timeline where like Magus is a character in the game in Radical Dreamers, mm-hmm. and just like um, Chrono Cross is all about like different timelines coexisting at the same time like universe a universe b universe c and mm-hmm. they mentioned radical dreamers as an alternate universe in chrono cross cool like it's a little easter egg about another universe so i'm like okay well let's have and it is quite good i actually really enjoyed it i would just recommend you know watching it on youtube like i said it's like two hours long but it's basically just like it's like reading a book cool so it's just a book that you have to read in a youtube video <laughs> <laughs> right uh, Cool. But yeah, it's a, it's a really enjoyable story. Uh, I dug it and I thought, all right, I want to have one thing representing Radical Dreamers and a section representing Cross. Yeah. So that's what this entire 1020 is. That's awesome. Going to 1999 AD, uh, um, 
which, you know, Day of Lavos. Mm -hmm. And what it is, there's just a giant Lavos monster outside in this area. Like life-size. Life-size <laughs> yeah. And the line to, uh, the, you know, the, the, game, the ride is called the Day of Lavos. Mm-hmm. And the entrance is Lavos's head eye thing opens yeah. up. Yep. And it is a screen ride coaster that takes you through Bad Lane Lavos in his second form and final form. Yes. And then battling him as the, uh, you know, in the darkness beyond time. And so it is a combination of a roller coaster and a screen ride. It is. Not as epic as the Black Omen in terms of a pure coaster, mm-hmm. just because of logistics, but it right. is a really epic, thrilling ride, and what most people choose to conclude their day because it is so epic. That's awesome. And I love the idea of you know the outside, like the main form of Lavos you see throughout the game, that's kind of just the outer walls of the experience. So like when you're in line, you're outside of that. And then, you know, like his face opens and you can go inside there like, you know, 20 at a time yeah. or however many people he can fit. Well, and then the face so closes back So in. that's the outside line. There's a line when you're inside, but just like the inside of his like dripping walls and stuff. Yeah. Like when you, you know, after you defeat his first one, you're walking around like that is still. That's cool. Line. That's your line. And then eventually you get into, um, I don't know, uh, whatever you would get in for the ride. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it's an epoch or maybe it's like a, a lava spawn looking thing, but you know, whatever it is would get you into the ride. And then there would be the experience. I think that would just be a really cool ride. Uh-huh. It's slightly impractical to have a section with just one ride, but you know, for the sake of uh, keeping it thematic where there's only one thing you can do in 99 AD, even though you want to explore. Yeah. Uh, that's, the, the I think keeping it thematic and just you know just freaking huge totally. massive is totally huge thing. that's cool and if we need more room for the the coaster track we can also go underground so you know maybe like oh, yeah. yeah the the coaster as soon as you get on it pretty much just goes underground and all the coaster the actual experience is underground and then you come back out and you know you pass the other people in line <laughs> like holy crap I don't know. That's, that's such a fun experience. It's famous for, for three rides. For the Day of Lavos, for the Black Omen, just for the Coaster Nerds, and for Shala's Dream. Where yeah, Day of Lavos is art. probably the most popular overall. Mm-hmm. Where they're just like, this is so epic. <laughs> and then Shala's Dream is like for the art house nerds and like the critics. Mm-hmm. Who are just like, this is a work of art. And then Black Omen's like, but yeah, but that's, that coaster went like 120 miles per hour, bro. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's awesome. But so those, for everybody. those are the big rides, like the ones that the park is famous for. Yeah, yeah, totally. That's really cool. I also think it'd be neat to be able to inform park guests a little bit more about the story because I feel like if I went here just as, you know, a, a park guest not knowing about the story, I'd be like, where's the book? Like, where can, how can I buy the book? So maybe we, we sell the novelization like, and definitely sell the game for DS. The Trigger is already huge because there's like – a multi-part oh, film series. Of course. Uh, you know, the video game has been remade, uh, you know, for the PS6. <laughs> so I, Chrono Trigger has been doing great. It's like, it's huge. Like, uh, what they did was each of them had their individual solo films then united for Chrono Trigger. Oh my God. Can you imagine? That was the big uh, summer movie event. This theme park sounds amazing. And hopefully we can capture the the image of both the game and also the films. <laughs> I think we've got a pretty solid theme park. Yeah, I feel pretty happy with it. Um, I mean, there's there's little things, of course, we'll add all over to really bring it up, you know, to 100% amazing. But 
I love the overall structure. It makes a lot of sense. I like the idea of seeing seeing the castle only from the relevant time periods and everything else being kind of quarantined to be totally thematic to that era. Because while us park guests are traveling between times and everything, the locals we're encountering, that is their only time period. You know, it's like, I don't know. I think that's such a cool idea, traveling between worlds, which not exactly a new idea in theme park design, but I, I think it's just beautiful the way it's, it's uh, planned here. It's great. Dude, Greg, thank you so much. That was a, a really cool contribution to our our, our pantheon of, of episodes, you know? Yeah, Man. thank you so much for having me. Thank you for uh, responding when I bother you, like, hey, I want to be on the show. No, that's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, it's it's rare when people reach out to me, but it's much appreciated. Um, because, yeah, as long as you've got passion and you've got, you know, what, an hour and a half and a decent internet connection, then <laughs> we can do an episode together. Um, what I have found with uh, with podcasting uh-huh. and uh, actually just my life in general, where like if I find someone I think is cool and mm-hmm. I want to be their friend, I just kind of make it happen. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> so like um, the guys from Ultima Final Fantasy, right. I just thought their show was cool, and I'm like, I'm gonna force you guys to be my friends. <laughs> and <then I> <laughs> and uh, same with. Um, with Mike and Kaysen from Resonant Arc. I'm like, I like you guys. You're going to be my friends now. Yeah. But like, it's it got into ridiculous extremes where like, uh, Steve, my bassist, mm-hmm. I just thought he wrote good songs. I'm like, I'm going to force you to be my friend. <laughs> and he was best man at my wedding. And uh, That's so I'm cool. at the point where like, um, you know, I'm now Facebook friends with uh, Roger Taylor from Queen and Paul McCartney and Jim Steinman. And I'm just like, I like you guys. I'm going to force you to be my friend. Wow. Isn't that cool? Like if you put yourself out there, it can totally happen. Yeah. It's it's basically just, it's really ridiculous when I think about like, because for me, like Paul McCartney was like the peak, like, Mm -hmm. Oh, um, can I get Paul McCartney to be my friend? Oh, I did. (laughs) Yeah. That's as that's as high up as I'm gonna go. Right. Like as as forcing people to be like <laughs> If you want people to be your friend, just like I don't know, go up and talk to them. And if you want a cheat code uh for making friends, have a podcast and invite them to be on your podcast or be on theirs. Yes. Anyone can do a podcast. As long as you bring, you know, a, a reliable release schedule and some passion and decent audio quality, you're interesting enough, you know, you just gotta start capturing your audience. That's totally true. Yeah, cheat codes to make friends. And I mean, it's whatever kind of art you're making, whether it's audio or vis- video or visual or whatever, sharing it with people and talking to them about it, like, that's how you do it. That's that's the best way to meet people who, because, you know, generally you want to support your friends and you really like your friends. You want to help them in any way you can. But if they just have a regular day job and no real passion projects, it's like, I like you, but how can I really support you or how can we... You know, I don't know. It's it's easier, I think, to bond with someone if if they're out there doing it. They're out there hustling. Like, you can lift them up, and I don't know. It's it's a beautiful thing. Awesome. Well, to the listener, if if you liked what Greg is all about, you should definitely check out both his music and his podcast, Lipstick Generation, and also the Lipstick Panel. And uh, yeah, anything else you'd recommend the audience go check out, Greg? Um, not in particular. Just uh, lipstickgeneration.com if you want to find everything. Um got music and we did that two-part chrono trigger episode yeah um you know what? i'll give a i'll give a quick shout out there's some really good chrono trigger fan games out there i'd recommend if you haven't played them um crimson echoes is a phenomenal 
uh, sequel to Chrono Trigger and prequel to Chrono Cross. Mm-hmm. Very fun to play. Uh, Chrono Trigger Prophet's Guile. It's like a short little four-hour game where you play as Magus. Uh, that's pretty cool. So, And uh, Chrono Alter is uh, another Chrono Trigger sequel fan game. So wow. I've beaten all of them, and they're pretty fun. I'd recommend uh, digging into them if you just need more Chrono in your life. So shameless plugs for stuff I have no involvement with. <laughs> no, that's really cool. And, and continuing the fandom beyond where the creators left it. <laughs> you know, that's kind of what this show does in a way. It's like, you guys did great. And we're going to try to pick up that ball and carry it a little bit further into a weird direction. <laughs>